This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So last week we started talking about Sabbath and what Sabbath is and uh, what Sabbath isn't. And we talked about how um, sometimes we could feel like Sabbath or taking a rest is like a you know, time out, like a forced thing that like religious people do, um, that, you know, normal people don't really hold to anymore. It's kind of like that time that you're put in the corner to like cool your jets. Um, when Olivia starts getting too whiny or pouty or whatever, we'll be like, go to your room, go to your room until you can calm down. That's a lot of times how we think Sabbath is. It's like the whole like, all right, go on, cool it, and then come back. That's not what Sabbath is. Sabbath, what we talked about last week, is how it is a time of intentional rest, but it should be a time of intentional celebration. There's a rhythm to our existence, how God created us and wired us, and it's, uh, we, we use the, uh, the song, work, 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 rest. That's the rhythm. Work, 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 rest. Rest, that rest in there is Sabbath. And we talked about how Eugene Peterson, the uh, guy who... Uh, brought us the message translation of the Bible. He said that all Sabbath should include playing and praying. How Sabbath should be a celebration, but it should also be a time of pampering your soul. Doing something to rejoice in what God is doing in you and the lives of the people around you, but also having intentional time to just refocus, re-energize, and rejuvenate. Amen? So this week, we're talking about part two to Sabbath, and instead of talking about celebrate or celebration in Sabbath, we're talking about these two words today. And I need you to repeat after me, okay, because we're going to get lit in here, okay. Let's repeat after me. Say, be, be still. Be, be still. There you go. Be still is what we're talking about today. Now, um, when I think of the word still, I think of... Uh, like when people are hunting, right, and they're out in their deer blind or they're up on the tree stand or whatever, and they got to be real still so that way they don't scare off any of the animals, right? It, to me, it's, like a, it's more of like a motion thing. When you're playing hide-and-go-seek, uh, if you don't have a great hiding spot, you can still kind of blend in if you hold really still, right? And people might, you know, be so oblivious to you because of your lack of movement that they might not notice you're there. But the dictionary definition has two definitions. It's a, a primary and secondary definition. Here's what they are. I thought this was interesting. The primary definition of the word still is to remain at rest. So it's not just hold still, don't move, don't do what you're doing, don't resume normal function. It's to be at a place, to remain at a place of rest, at ease, right? Secondary definition is this. To be free from noise or distraction. That's interesting to me because if you ask me what the definition of the word still was, I would say it's something to do with motion. But it's actually not. It's being at a place, at a state of rest and, secondary, being free from noise or sound or distraction. That's interesting for us, right? Because that's not typical for us. Last week we talked about how... Uh, taking a break is not normative to us in our context and in our society today. We talked about how some of us are so ingrained in work, it's hard for us to ever break from it. The kind of work I do, I do a couple different things, but the kind of work I do 
is the kind of work that tends to follow you home. It's the kind of work that you can't leave on the desk. It's teenagers uh, calling you at 4 a.m. because they're going to get arrested for drinking at a party and they need you to pick them up because their parents are going to kill them. The kind of work that that I do is the kind of work where it's like, hey, you just got this email. I need you to respond to the email and turn around quickly. We're waiting on you kind of work, right? Like that's the kind of work that you can do from any device. Therefore, it can follow you wherever you go because we all have devices, right? And a lot of us, it's the same way. We can be followed home by that. But we we talked about that last week. But the truth is, is that distraction for us doesn't just have to be work or doesn't just have to be binging so many episodes of, you know, what Stranger Things on Netflix that you forget to make your kids lunch and, you know, now you got to send them with pocket lint and quarters to pay for lunch in the school line, right? Like, it, that, that's not always how this looks. Sometimes it looks like things that we deem to be very positive, right? How many of you guys listen to podcasts? Cool. How many of you guys have watched a TED Talk? Uh, audiobooks. There you go. Um, what else? Just music. You listen to music. You're a music lover. Okay. All of these are things that I would call positive things, right? They're good things. They're beneficial. They're encouraging things to us, right? But here's the thing. You ever heard, you ever heard like too much of a good thing? Still, like, I don't know. I don't know the end of that. I would say too much of a good thing is a bad thing. I don't know, you know, like too much of a good thing is still not good for you, whatever, Right? We live in a day and age where now it's not even just work or social media or things like that that get our distraction. We've become so geared on self-help, self-motivation, self-growth, self-prosperity, that even those things that we could call positive have become distractions to the rhythm that God wants us to live in. Right? I I see a lot of my friends now, like like we're talking like 27, 28, 29-year-olds, and they're like retweeting and sharing videos from like Gary Vee. If I got to see another Gary V quote, I'm going to roundhouse kick somebody. Gary, bro, we live in Detroit. What's Gary V got to do with you, fam? Like, I'm going to be the next millionaire because I listen to Gary V's audiobooks. No, you know what I mean? Like, we get so caught up in this culture of I have to be next, I'm next up, I have to do this for me, I have to do this now. This is self-worth driven, this is prosperity driven. We get so caught up in this that... Maybe you can justify taking time off or away from the desk, right? Maybe you can justify Sabbath in that way, celebrating, like we talked about last week, what God is doing. But it's harder for you to find time to really get away from everything because it's easy to get away from things that we can paint as negative. It's not so easy to get away from things that we can paint or justify as being positive or good for us. But all of those things, when they distract you, from being in God's presence are not good things when they get to that point. Um, I shared with you guys last week the statistic that researchers say, professionals say, that the amounts of anxiety, depression, suicide, uh, all those different things are up 60% in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years, they've grown 60%. That's over double for uh, teenagers and young adults. Young families now deal with 60% more stress, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts than ever before. And the common denominator that professionals share in that, what is the one thing that ties all those statistics together? And that's the introduction of a smartphone. The inability to unplug, detach, get away from, and just be still. 
I got another statistic for you this week. Teenagers in today's world, in today's society, so any of you that have kids, right, for you, uh, youth pastors, for us, teenagers in today's society are living with levels of stress and anxiety that were normative for psychiatric patients in the 1950s. Think about that for a second. Back in the 1950s, you went to the doctor, and they saw these kinds of patterns and levels of stress and anxiety and worry and angst and and all these things in you. They would recommend you to a psychiatric care person. You would have to get care for mental illnesses in the 50s for the same kinds of levels of stress that our teenagers deal with today, and it's normal. Now, expect them to do their homework and classwork and be polite and keep healthy habits and and all that stuff translates throughout our culture. We live in a day and time where rest is not justified, where rest is not sought after, where rest is seen in many different ways, but it's rarely seen as positive. We can guilt ourselves out of taking the rest that we need. We pride ourselves on our work ethic we guilt ourselves out of resting from our work. Amen? So why, how, how, how important is it that you and I rest? Well, Psalm, you guys can't see this, so uh, here's your first verse, ready? Psalm 46, that's the chapter, verse 10. If you want to look at it, it says this. I'm reading the NIV translation for all of these, unless I tell you otherwise. Uh, for those of you that are looking for errors on my part. Uh, Psalm 46, 10 says this. It says, be still and know. That I am God. Be still and know in your mind and your heart. Know that I'm God. If you were to look at the true uh, uh, translation of the words be still in this context, it literally means drop your hands. Drop your hands. Know that I'm God. Just put your hands down. Why does that matter? Have you guys ever seen a boxing match? Anybody ever seen a boxing match? I like hands, right? Anybody seen a boxing match? Okay. So in a boxing match, what happens? You know, they're going at it, da-da-da, bow, bow, bow. Guy takes one to the chin, goes down. Ooh. That's what they do when they get hit. Ooh. <laughs> and he gets up. When he gets up, the referee's going, one, two, three. I don't know if they do that with their arms, but it looks really convincing. Four. And the boxer's going, no, 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 I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Right? And the referee does something before he okays him to fight again. What's he do? Anybody? He tells him, put his gloves up. Put your gloves up. Let me feel your hands. Hold your hands up. And then he put, he'll push down on his hands. Thank you, God. He'll push down on his hands, right? He'll push down on his hands to make sure he can resist him enough. He has enough tension in his arms, strength in his arms to keep his hands up enough. Because if he can't, it's considered that the fighter dropped his hands, cannot keep fighting. He has to give in, throw in uh, the towel, and stop fighting. He surrenders. He's done. So in other words, if he can't hold his hands up, he can't fight anymore. It's, it's peculiar that this verse, the translation of it, oh, says, be still. <laughs> I'm preaching good today, man. Right? It says, be still. Drop your hands. In other words, stop fighting. Check this out. Stop fighting and know that I'm God. Stop trying to fight this out for yourself. Stop trying to work and strive and do and achieve and accomplish and do all these things for yourself. 
That's, that's, that's a crazy translation. Stop fighting, drop your hands, and take confidence in what I'm doing, not what you're doing instead. That's literally how this reads. Psalm 46.10 is a word for you and I to stop trying to achieve it all for ourselves and let God do what God does. That's what, that's what this is. So how do you and I get, a, get to a place in our life, in our career, in our home life, in, uh, with our children, in our parenting, in our marriages, uh, in our friendships, and everything that we do? How do we get to a place where we trust God enough to say, Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, because uh, I can't do Nobody else, really? I thought you would have got me at least, man. <laughs> Laughing at me. Thank you. Okay. How do we get to a place where we can say, Jesus, you do this. I'm not doing I'm going to drop my hands. I'm going to stop trying to achieve. I'm going to stop trying to make this stuff happen. And I'm going to trust what you have for me. How do we get to that place? We get to that place by spending enough time with God that we're confident in who he is and what he's able to do to where we're okay with letting him have control. Anytime that we cannot surrender control to God is a time that we preference ourselves above him. It's a time that we say, I got this, you wait. If it gets real bad, then I'll let you do it, right? This is not beyond my grasp yet, therefore you don't need to intervene, God. That's what our actions say when we refuse to drop our hands and stop our own fight and let God take it over, right? So how do we get to that place of trusting God? Again, last week we talked about what Jesus models for, or what God modeled for us in our rhythm of rest was God worked for six days and then he rested. God modeled the Sabbath for us so we could mimic. We talked about being disciples and how disciples follow their teacher and they don't do it by taking notes or passing tests. They do it by imitation. So we imitate what he does for us. So I think this is something for us to imitate in what we're talking about today, I'm going to show you what we need to, or I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to show you, I'm going to tell you, show you these verses, because I think this is the, 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 the model that God would have us imitate and mimic and go after if we're going to truly be still and seek rest in a real way from what we got going on. Uh, if you're looking up scripture, my first one is Mark chapter 1 verse 35, you can go there. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Very early in the morning, this is Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark outside, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Like solitary confinement, all alone, solitary. It was just him, solo dolo. Jesus went to a solitary, solitary place, and he prayed. Matthew, this is Matthew 14, 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there all alone. Again, common, common factor here. Solitary place. He went up by himself to pray. Both of these he prayed. And Luke 5, 16 says this. But Jesus, check this out, Jesus often Frequently, regularly, all the time, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus had this habit of 
spending time around people, doing what he had to do, teaching, right? He was a great teacher. He, he made Pharisees so angry because he taught so well. And they were like, man, I'm trying to get like you, man, but, you know, you're the Messiah, so I can't. But I don't want to say you're the Messiah, but I got to give you props. You ever have to give props to somebody that you don't want to give props to? It just gets under your skin? That's what the Pharisees had to do with Jesus because he was bad to the bone. And Jesus is teaching and healing and doing miracles and setting people free and making disciples and doing all these, just doing, doing all these crazy things. And Jesus still often regularly withdrew and had alone time with God. Alone time with God. You don't understand, man, I'm busy, I got stuff going on, I got all this stuff happening, blah, 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 I got no time to do it. Jesus fed thousands of people, multiplied bread and fish, and, and, and fed thousands of people, just got done walking on the water and calming storms and, you know, doing all this stuff, and withdrew early in the morning, can nobody bother him, distract him, getting free from the noise, be still, getting free from noise and distraction, Jesus got alone in the presence of God. There's something to this. We see this even more if you want to follow along. Here's the bulk of what I'm sharing with you. Luke chapter 4 verses 1 through 13 is where you can read the entirety of what I'm going to say. I'm only going to read to you verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. Luke 4, 1 through 3. Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Pause. Jesus, this is before the day of Pentecost. We're not in the book of Acts yet. That's when the Holy Spirit comes down and does his thing, right? Does his thing. Jesus was already full of the Holy Spirit. How do you think that happens? How do you think his tank stays, stays full? Think about it. Jesus was already full of the Holy Spirit, right? It says he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end, he was hungry. So Jesus, already before he got to the, to the wilderness, Jesus was already full of the Holy Spirit living inside of him, moving, and he's being obedient to what the Spirit is leading him to do because it said it led him to the wilderness, and Jesus went. Jesus, what's the wilderness? A desolate, desert place. It's not, we're not talking wilderness like... The jungles and Tarzan and stuff, we're talking like Middle East, wilderness, mountainous, desert, hot. Jesus is out there being led by the Holy Spirit to go and to be alone. And Jesus says, okay. Because he feels the Spirit of God in him, leading him. And while Jesus is there, the devil's stupid self, himself, shows up and is like, I got an idea. Jesus... This would be the perfect time for me to pick Jesus off. This would be the perfect time for me to try Jesus. It would be, be the perfect time for me to mess with his head a little bit, right? I got him. He's all alone. I got this. So he, if you know the story, or if you want to read it, it's verses 1 through 13. He tries Jesus three different ways. First way, Jesus is hungry, right? So he goes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry, man. Uh, and I know you got power, so why don't you turn that big old stone right there? Turn that into some of that Logan Steakhouse, like, soft bread with the, the cinnamon butter. Like, why don't you turn, turn it into some Fazoli's breadsticks? Turn, no amens, okay. Turn this into uh, that Outback Steakhouse wheat loaf with the butter they bring out on the cutting board, even though it's not that serious. <laughs> 
turn this into that and feed yourself. You're, you're God, right? Come on, let's do it. Let's, let's see something. And Jesus comes back at him and says, man doesn't live off bread alone. Sorry. Beep. You're canceled, right? So he's like, okay, dang. I'm going to try again. Number two. Number two. G, uh, the devil now, number two, goes to Jesus. And he's like, hey, so listen, this is no secret between us. Like, you know, like, I know you, you got to go to the cross to, like, you know, like, save people and whatever you're about to do. And, and you know, like, you're about to show yourself to be the Messiah and all that. But how about you just don't go to the cross? I got I to gotta, I gotta shortcut. Don't go to the cross. And instead, just bow down to me right here, right now. And if you bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. I'll, I'll, I'll give you everything that you're about to give your life for. I'll give you it right now. Just submit to me, and I'll give it to you. And Jesus is like, skirt. No, right? Like, sorry. And the devil's like, dang, son. Like, I thought this would be easier than this. All right, I got one more. I got one more. He tries him a third time. And it says that he takes Jesus to the top of the, the, the high part of the temple. And while they're up there, he's trying to get Jesus to, to flex his, his, his power a little bit. And he's challenging Jesus and he's messing with him. And he's like, hey, Jesus, I know that you, you reign over earth and heaven, right? So since you do, you have command of the angels. Why don't you show everybody how, how, how powerful you are and how much you have command over the angels. And why don't you just jump? Just Michael Phelps swan dive off the roof of the temple and before you hit the ground as long as you say as long as you hit the ground shouldn't technically the angels come and like scoop you up before you hit the ground and you can even get hurt why don't you show everybody what you got because his voice went like that and Jesus still doesn't give in Jesus is like nah G it ain't happening bye be gone you don't put the Lord your God to the test. You don't, we don't, and Jesus, check this out. Jesus had a response for every attack that the enemy threw at him. Why? Because he was weak. And every time I heard this story coming up or in church, it, it was always that the devil attacked Jesus because Jesus was weak because he spent all this time in the wilderness, right? But, but I, don't, I, don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's the move on it. I think the Holy Spirit didn't lead Jesus to the wilderness so that Jesus would be attacked. I think the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness because he would be attacked. It's subtle. It's different. Jesus didn't spend time alone with God. Therefore, he was weak and couldn't, couldn't handle the attacks of the enemy. Clearly, he handled them no problem. That's because he spent time in the wilderness in God's presence being built up and full of the Holy Spirit so that when an attack happened he was ready for it Jesus was a pro at getting away from the crowds getting away from the people getting away from his closest friends and family and having time alone with God to be poured into and we see it when Jesus is literally going toe-to-toe with the devil he's ready for it for you and I, it is, it is so paramount for us that we withdraw, that we go to a lonely, solitary place. I don't mean lonely like, oh my God, I don't like being alone. I love people. It is crucial to our faith 
that we find time, make time, make it a priority to withdraw and be alone with God, to be still in his presence, free of distraction, free of noise, at a place of rest, Sabbath with God. Because you and I, in the same way like Jesus, you might, I'll tell you this flat out, the devil, the devil, I mean, I, hear, I used to hear this a lot, the devil just tempting me, man, the devil, the devil trying me, the devil, devil's not doing nothing to you, the devil's not omnipresent, God is. So the devil ain't messing with you and you at the same time. He can't do that. He's not bad enough. You know what I mean? He don't, he's not bad enough like Michael Jackson bad. Come on. I almost tore my pants doing the kick for you. But that don't mean that he doesn't have power and influence and things that are still going to come against you. Thoughts, struggles, pains, hurts, family issues, job issues, work issues, things that are going to challenge you, things that are going to tempt you away from God's way for you. And when those things come against you, it's not, it's not doing and doing and doing and striving and straining and fighting for yourself that is going to sustain you. It is withdrawing and being alone and being in your own wilderness, alone time with God that is going to prepare you to withstand the battle that you're going to go through, to withstand the trial that you face, to, to withstand the temptation that could come against you. It's being in God's presence. So my two notes on that is this. The Spirit didn't lead Jesus into the wilderness so he could be tempted. He led Jesus into the wilderness because he would be tempted. And my second note is this. The wilderness didn't make overcoming temptation more difficult for Jesus. Listen, being in the wilderness didn't make overcoming the devil's temptation more difficult for Jesus. Being in the wilderness made it possible. Being in the wilderness made it possible for Jesus to withstand what the devil was going to throw at him. Being in God's presence and full of the Holy Spirit prepared him for what he was about to do. I say this a lot. If you, if you hear me talk at all, you hear me say this a lot because I'm a firm believer in it. God has called every single person in this room to do something, I think, far greater than any of us could dream for ourselves. I firmly believe that. It's written. You and I have a call on our life, something that God wants to do through you right now. Where you work, where you live, with your friends, with your family, God has something that he needs you to get crack-a-lacking on. But in order for you to do that, you've, you've heard the saying, we say to ministry a lot, you can't give what you don't have. You can't pour out what you don't already have poured into you. You can't have gas fumes in the tank, driving on E, thinking you're going to make it the whole way that you got to go. That's not how this happens. The idea is this, is that when we're in that rhythm of life that God, God hardwired us to be in, help me, Lord, hardwired us to be in, you're in this rhythm of work and rest and work and rest and work and rest and work and rest. And there's this rhythm that pumps to your life and keeps you going. And as long as you maintain that, God will sustain you and you will be able to harness and hold productivity. But the caveat to that is this, is that that's not guided, that's not pointed, that's not given direction unless you spend time in God's presence. That's not, that's not going to be sustainable in the long run because if you're just resting and celebrating, that's great and everything, and we're going to party a lot, but, but God's not going to be able to prepare you and position you for what's going to happen in the future. You're going to celebrate whatever happens to happen, but you're not going to be looking into what God is trying to do. You're not going to be built up 
constantly being refilled and full of the Holy Spirit unless you are still in God's presence sometimes. So I got three ways, practical ways that you can spend time with God alone with God. Easy, right? Because the, the challenge for us is uh, how do we redeem the time that we have because life is so busy. And that's not, that's not anything you could preach against or talk. I can't get up here and tell you your life's not really as busy as you make it seem. Your life's probably real busy. That's how we're conditioned now in the society we live in. Everybody's busy all the time. My six-year-old is busy, yo. She got cheerleading. She got dance. Now you can't just cheerlead anymore. The cheerleading coach wants to have videos of her practicing cheerleading at home to show her at the next practice for cheerleading practice. Then in between that, then in between that, <laughs> she's got school. Now they give out homework packets, yo. What? I don't just got to do problems 1 through 16, all the even numbers no more. I got to turn in you six pages front and back of math problems. I'm six, G. Right? She was doing ballet, and she wants to do soccer, and she want, and you try, to, you try to maintain all these things. And that's one kid. I got a two-month-old. Wait till he starts trying to do stuff. I'm going to be like, no, nah, man. Your sister gets this year, you get next year. Like, y'all just going to support each other in between, you know? <laughs> Life is busy, period, because of how we built ourselves into the culture we built ourselves into. But I believe that there's practical ways that you can redeem your time to find time to be still in God's presence. My first one is this, in motion. You can be still in motion because being still is not the act of freezing where you're at physically. The act of being still is resting where you're at spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So in motion, really easy, ready? Go for a quiet car ride. Check me out. You gotta drop your kids off to school, then you gotta drive to work, then you gotta drive back to your kid's school, then you got to pick something else up for work. You got to go pick up dinner. You got to, we all would spend probably, I don't know, like this is not a real statistic, but somewhere in the ballpark of what? At least 20 minutes each person in the car every day, right? Some of us an hour and a half. Some of us two hours. Some of us drive for a living. Maybe you Uber or do it on the side. You're spending hours in the car. Ready? Check this out. Turn the radio off. Turn the podcast off. Turn the audio book off. Whatever is on, turn it off. And sit like this. Ready? Because after like the first 10, 15, 30 seconds, and you're like, whoa, this is kind of weird. Then you actually start thinking. And now your mind is actually sorting through that like mental filing cabinet that you have. And now you're actually alone with your thoughts and you're decompressing and you're working through things that you're not otherwise giving the mental energy to. So you sit like this for a 20-minute car ride. And every now and then you go, oh, man, I just thought I got to call my mama. God, right now, just real quick, just I'm praying for my mom, God. My mom's going through this and that. Just, you know, help her. Be with her. On to the next. Quiet again. Even just that would drastically take, okay, here's, here's another one that's funny. If I, <laughs> if I 
could honestly measure how, how many minutes I spend screen time on the toilet. I could, be a, I could legitimately be a Jewish rabbi right now. I could, I could legitimately get some, some sort of credit. I don't know how to do it at like a monastery. I would be a freaking elite monk right now if I turned all of my toilet time into just thought time and thoughtful time and meditation time. God don't care if you're praying while you're taking a doo-doo. Real talk, he don't. He, he don't. God don't care. He take that rather than you listening to, you know, I don't know, I was going to name some rapper y'all don't even know. You take that over you listening to whatever you're going to listen to on the radio for 35 minutes. In motion. Go on a quiet car ride. Go on a walk. Um, a lot of times it's easy for me because my daughter lives like a mile from my house, maybe even a half mile. I don't know, it's like three or four blocks. And I just want to be like, yo, just hop in the car. We'd be at the, uh, the school in like 30 seconds. But instead I'm like, wait a minute. If I walk her to school, then I get to walk home alone, quietly, looking at trees and stuff. <laughs> Legit. So now I start, whenever the weather is good enough and, you know, like when it snows, we'll have to figure it out. She'll have to deal with it. But, but now I'll, I'll walk her to school so I can walk home. And sometimes when I walk home, I'll walk the long way back to my house just so that way I have a little bit longer, like just, just to myself, just quiet, just thinking. I don't, sometimes I don't pray at all. Sometimes I only pray for 30 seconds. But just quiet, just chill, in motion. Go for a quiet drive or a quiet walk. If you're driving somewhere anyway, turn the radio off. Turn it off, unplug. In nature, in nature, spend time outdoors. This is a no-brainer, in nature, right? If you, if you really want to be like high-key with it, go to a metro park, walk a trail. Leave your phone at home. Leave your phone in the car. A metro trail, you're not going to get stranded for six days without water and need to shoot a flare gun off. You'll, be okay. You'll follow the signs, okay? Leave your phone in the car. Go for a walk. Enjoy nature. God, when he modeled Sabbath, six of his days were spent making all of this. Enjoy it. Walk around. Look at some trees. Right now it's beautiful. Leaves are changing colors. Go out and thank God for that. Thank God for his creativity. You don't need to take a picture of everything and Instagram it. Talking to myself, you can just look at a tree and enjoy it without taking a picture of it and making everybody else enjoy it. Enjoy nature. This is great. Go to the zoo. One of the first jobs that God gave man when he created everything was that man would watch and take care over the animals. There's a special kind of companionship that man and women have with animals. Go to the zoo. Every time I go to the zoo, yo, I end up looking at an animal and going, holy cow. Last time we went to the zoo, the, uh, the tigers were, like, play fighting with each other. And Sam and I were standing there like, like six-year-olds, like eight-year-olds. We were like, whoa. Like, they're up on their back feet, and they're like, like, going at it. And I'm like, Sam, look, 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 look. Like, yo, take that in. How many times during your work week do you get to look at a giraffe? Look at a giraffe. That's my point for the, the whole message. Look at a giraffe. Look at a tiger. Look at an elephant. Go spend time out of your comfort zone, away from what you normally look at. Get off your phone. Get off the screens. Unplug the noise and go enjoy. Just go for a walk around the zoo. I used to think these people are weird. Now I get it. I see people jogging 
at the zoo. Some people go to the gym. Some people go to the zoo for the same purposes. They got on those, like, uh, the shape-up sketcher shoes that go like this. And they just be, like, around the zoo. And it's great. You know how much, you know how much, you know, you know when they get in the car and go home, you, you know how good they probably feel? Dog, I just got to burn calories and look at red pandas. That's so, spend time in nature. I'm off that. <laughs> My last one. It's not a location, it's a state. In silence. In silence. Here's the key. Minimize your input and output. In silence. Minimize your input and your output. What's that mean? Minimize how much you guilt yourself into answering your emails. Minimize how much you guilt yourself into spending 20 more minutes on your phone away from your kids. Minimize what you have to do going in and going out. Minimize what you have to listen to. Listen to a podcast five days a week. Have a day of the week where you don't listen to anything in the car. Mondays, it's quiet in the car. Mondays, don't listen to nothing in the car. Mondays, I'm going to walk as soon as I get home from work. I'm going to grab the dog. I'm going to walk down the sidewalk, down to the stop sign and back. And I'm just going to think. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to use this time as Sabbath time, right? We said last week, Sabbath is a sanctuary in time. It's a refuge in time. I'm going to use this time as Sabbath time to be still and let God fill me back up with wonder and awe and appreciation with what's going on and what he's doing around me. In motion, in nature, in silence. Be okay with just being alone with God and your thoughts. So here's my, my closing notes for you. Seeking rest, celebrating, getting rejuvenated, and being still in God's presence are so important because they keep us from putting our hands up in front of us for ourselves. They keep us from fighting and straining and striving for ourselves. There's a difference between letting God work through you and you just working and putting God's name on it. If you don't Sabbath, you run the risk of the second one. If you don't regularly get in God's presence, we could do a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of cool things, a lot of good things. We could turn around and be like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's God. And no doubt God gets the glory from it, but there's a difference between that and God. What do you have for me? What do you have for my family? What am I missing that you're trying to show me? What is it? And then like Jesus, following the Holy Spirit, being obedient to where he leads you, whether it's to a wilderness or to a place full of people wherever he leads you there's a difference between that and working and slapping God's name on it God's called you to do the first God's called you to Sabbath to rest in him and then here, here's, here's the, the thing ready here's how we tie them both together I'll say it like this when, when we were in Mexico when we got done with the house we, so like we got done and we're about to leave and uh, we're looking at each other and we're like yeah, like we're already t- we're not even left from the lot that we're at. And we're looking at each other going, okay, who can, who can we get to come on this trip with us the next time? Because we're trying to go on a trip like in the next like several months. Like we're ready to do this again. Who can we get? We can get this person and that person and that person and that person and that person. Who can we get to do this? How can we make this happen again? 
and we're like super excited about it. Here's why, ready? When we finished the house, we got to see the house from foundation to roof, electrical, all that. And they got to walk over and put a key in this family's hand. This family that lived literally in a cardboard shack in the desert got keys to a front door that locks, that, lo that locks. They had blankets for doors and now they have a, a lock. And we're standing there in the lot after we dedicated the house and prayed with this family. And we're just standing back looking at it. And we're going, dude, this is, this is insane. This, two days ago, this wasn't here. We got to do, we, and we're, check this out. We're celebrating what we just finished working on. And having that posture of celebration for what just happened is getting us ready for what we're going to do next. And that's the rhythm to Sabbath that God wants for you. God wants you to work and then rest so you can celebrate what just happened because that keeps your heart ready and excited for what's going to happen next. That's the rhythm. You work and you celebrate it. And then you work some more because you're excited about that work. And then you suck. And it's a cycle. And it keeps you filled up. And then in those lean times when you have challenges and struggles because life is life, Jesus shows us. Listen. Make this a habit, make this a practice. Withdraw from the crowds, withdraw from the emails, withdraw from the work, from the social media, from, from the streaming platform, withdraw from all of that. Don't talk yourself into it. Don't get your, guilt yourself back into work. It will be, listen to me, it will be there when you come back. I promise. It will be there when you come back. Jesus said, leave, get away, spend some time. In a lonely place. That means in a place where it's just you and God alone. Spend some time like that. So then when those trials do come, the devil himself looked Jesus in the face. And Jesus was able to, in his humanity, not even his godliness, in his humanity, Jesus was able to stand against it because he had spent time alone with the Father. You and I we celebrate the work that God has had, had us to do. And that positions us to do more. And then in those times that we feel weak or empty, we withdraw. We be still in God's presence so that we can get filled up again and we can pour out again. This is Sabbath. This is the rhythm. Sabbath is what God has set in place to safeguard state of your mind and your heart and your soul. God put a safeguard on it and he said, as long as you, I want you to be productive. I want you to work. Don't worry about that. You, you need to work. This is how I made you. But he said, as long as you work and rest and work and celebrate and work and be still in my presence and you do that with rhythm and regularity, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you're productive for a long time, longer than you could do it for yourself. But it takes a quiet mind and a quiet soul regularly to do that. Here's, here's my, my closing thoughts. Quiet soul is what God intended for you and I to make sure we run at our best. Whether it's to continue working at a high level of productivity or to face trials and temptations, a clear, resolute headspace and a quiet soul is what we need. Here's my punchline that I'm going to pray. Here it is. Ready? You can't have a quiet soul without quiet time. Don't expect to be at peace and be free from stress. You can pray all you want, but if you pray
pray and then hop right back into the busyness, you're self-sabotaging. You cannot have a quiet soul without quiet time. I encourage you, Sabbath, get into the rhythm of rest, rejuvenation, celebration, and being still and quiet in God's presence so that you're in the right position to keep doing what he's called you to do. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.